Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Court Today replay on C103. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. And a very good morning and it's great to see that we have a nice dry uh, day uh, for what are we at the fifth day of uh, September because certainly our summer has been very disappointing and it has been confirmed because Miss Aaron uh, tell us we had above average rainfall for uh, August but it was warm I and mean, that was the one thing there was a lot of kind of muggy weather uh, throughout uh, August you're welcome along to the programme John Paul is taking your calls at 1850 if there's anything you want to share with us today we'd love to hear from you you can text her WhatsApp 0862103103 now one of the issues we are going to be addressing today on the programme uh, it will be learner permits and picking up on a piece that we did last week with the Road Safety Authority when Moya Murdoch joined us to talk about the high number of learner permit holders that are on our Irish roads and that any time you pass an L plate uh, you might assume oh there's another young driver well according to the statistics released from the RSA they're not all young drivers because they showed there's over 40,000 people are on a fourth and subsequent provisional licence or learner permit and then dig into the figures over 8,000 of that 40,000 odd are on driving on our roads with learner permits which have initially have been provisional licence and they're on their 10th or, sub, or subsequent learner permits. So these will be people in their 30s, 40s and even into their uh, 50s. And then actually when we did hear from some people who said they knew, they knew they had family members or they had friends who had never taken a driving test and who said they had no intention of taking a driving test and they were just going to keep renewing the learner permit and there are statistics there to show that learner permits do get get involved in accidents and there's even statistics showing that some learner people who are learner drivers have been involved in accidents that have caused uh, fatalities. So anything that we can do to encourage people to take the test that's what the Road Safety Authority are trying to do and there's a campaign running where actually we're actually running ads for the Road Safety Authority telling people look the Gardaí are clamping down on learner drivers and unaccompanied drivers you need to take your test please go out and ta- take your test well Park which is the Road Safety 
charity. They were listening to the uh, interview and they weren't too happy. Susan Gray of Park wasn't too happy with some of the replies that I got from Moya Murdoch. So she's contacted us. So she's going to join us on the programme today. So we're going to speak about what can we do? How can we get that high number of learner drivers particularly the ones who, for whatever reason, just don't want to take a test. How can we get them to take their test? I mean, it's going to save the money. If nothing else, it will save the money. It will save the money on their insurance and it will save the money on the waste that they are of the €85 every time they apply for a test, knowing, knowing that they're not going to show up. And then, of course, there's the knock on this 500 tests a week. 500 people fail to turn up for a driving test every week. And that's adding to the delays that we have at various times of the year. I don't know what it's like at the moment. I think it's kind of pretty okay at the moment. You're only waiting a number of weeks when you apply for your test and when you actually get your test date. But if you take out the 500 people who don't, who are no-shows every week, those tests could have been given to somebody else. But if there's a no-show on the day, it's too late to pass it on to uh, anybody else. So we're going to discuss that. But obviously intermingled in all of that, is the is the clampdown on learner drivers and in particular the fact that if you are driving unaccompanied what can happen to you you know your car can be uh, impounded and we know because of the Clancy amendment if you allow your vehicle to be driven by an unaccompanied learner driver then you the owner of the vehicle can also be uh, prosecuted and then I re- read in the papers today that the ad called it's part of the crashed lives series, the ad that featured Noel Clancy's family, his wife Geraldine and his daughter Louise, who were killed in a collision that involved a, an unaccompanied learner driver. Remember the ad that was shown last year? It features Noel Clancy himself and it tells the story of what happened to Geraldine and Louise. And that ad aired in the lead up to Christmas and then it went through January and I think it went into early February and I remember at the time that the ad was running we certainly got a lot of calls here to this programme for pe- from people who were upset about the ad who didn't like the ad wanted to know when the ad was going to be pulled and then we found out that it was going to be taken off in early February but we were told when we contacted the Road Safety Authority who run that ad when they told us that it was going to end it would finish at the end of February they did say to us that ad it will be aired again and it looks like it's going to run again in October of this year. So I give that out to warn people because I know not everybody is happy with it. Not just local people here in here in um, Cork aren't happy about it. People all over the country. Not everybody. Now others thought it was a great ad can I say. People thought it was great. It got the message home to people about unaccompanied uh, learner drivers. I know the Department of Transport received about 20 complaints but they were about the ad, not just about the ad, they were also about the Clancy Amendment legislation when that came into force, which was the year before last, wasn't it? I know it was on the third anniversary of the deaths of Geraldine and Louise that it was introduced. But the department also received complaints about how strict the legislation was and how severe the Clancy Amendment would have, the implications it would have, particularly on those in rural areas. You know, and one of 
the many complaints that they got by way of emails was the fact the lack of public transport in rural areas. Now also at the time it was cited there was a lengthy delay on waiting times for driving tests but I know the last time I checked driving tests there isn't as long a delay. It kind of fluctuates throughout the year. It depends on what time of the year you apply uh, for your uh, test. But uh, people but I'm warning you now, I'm letting the people know in advance that that ad will be coming back on the TV because it it certainly is of all of the road safety authorities crash ads. I think that one, that is the one that is the most controversial because the other one that they show at various times throughout the year is to do with the little boy. Remember the little boy that was killed by the drunk driver and it tells the story of everyone that was involved in that particular accident. You hear it from the mother's point of view because she was very badly damaged and injured in the accident and then you see the medics that were involved you know you hear the nurse saying I never want to hold hand over a dead little boy oh, to put him into his mother's arms and it was just it's a very very uh, powerful ad but while that's an upsetting ad as well that doesn't get the level of complaints that the Clancy ad gets for whatever reason one involved a drunk driver and in the Clancy case, it was an unaccompanied learner driver, and uh, maybe that's the the reason that uh, they're you know they're they're two very different drivers. But at the end of the day, it did both uh, result in deaths. Uh, Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. So we'll we'll discuss learner drivers on the program uh, today. We're also going to hear from yet another outdoor adventure centre that has been forced to close its doors. Why? the high cost of insurance. And as soon as I heard about this adventure centre shutting up shop, I knew it immediately. I said, before I even need to look into this, I bet you they're going to say it's to do with the high cost of insurance. And it is. And actually I saw in the paper today there's another, yet another uh, adventure, outdoor adventure park has uh, decided to close up as well. We are getting to the stage where we will have nowhere for parents to take their children if they want to have a little bit of fun and get them out and about and get them active because the indoor and the outdoor play centres are all being affected by the high cost of insurance. We've been talking about it now for so long and still nothing uh, seems to be happening. I mean, we've got to get the government have got to get involved in this. I also think as a society, we need to look at the way how litigious we've become. I think we all need to look at the way when people decide when an accident happened and a small accident happened, why do we straight away think the first thing we need to do rather than go to the hospital, first thing we need to do is call our solicitor and see how much money can we make out of this uh, particular case because the knock-on, it has a knock-on effect for everyone when we have too many people making claims and we know we've got spurious claims and all of that. That whole it's an industry now at this stage it really needs to be looked into. So we'll speak with the owner of this adventure centre who has been forced to close. We're going to find out and talk about should Joe Hollow have a green way and discuss what would it mean to the area to have a green way. Now I think what we're looking at is a green way that would run from Canturk to Newmarket. Now maybe it could be extended after that but any area that has put a greenway in place will tell you the pluses for the area it brings for the local people living there. It's a wonderful place to go for a walk or to go for a cycle, 
And again, we were great for children, a safe place for children. We want to get them out and about. And if all the adventure centres are closing closing down, we're going to need these greenways more than ever. We know we have childhood obesity problems, so we need to get everybody exercising. Greenways are a great way uh, for that. Uh, we also will be putting a call out for volunteers to work with a children's charity, which is called Children in Hospital. And this is the wonderful charity that asks volunteers to give up a couple of hours. I don't know how many times a month you'd have to do it, but you go into hospitals and you basically spend time with children who are in hospital playing games uh, with them, colouring, maybe reading a bedtime story to them. And the idea is the child obviously hugely benefits uh, from it. But so does the parent. The parent gets a bit of a break. I mean, if you've ever had a child in hospital, the clock seems to tick slower than it does anywhere else. It's And if you're there on your own and in, in a lot of cases where there's more than one child in a family, there will be the one parent will have will be this one parent will opt to stay in the hospital. The other parent may be at work or the other parent could be at home looking after the children. So they're very much on their own. And to get any kind of a break, somebody to come in, put a hand on the shoulder and say, I'll sit with your kid for a couple of hours, go off and have some lunch, go have a walk, maybe go have a shower, just take a bit of a break and recharge the batteries. It just must be a godsend to those parents. So that's what you would be doing by getting involved in this charity. We will find out more. It's Thursday, so Jane Pickett, our resident vet from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, will join us in the studio answering your pet questions so you can get your pet questions in throughout the day either to John Paul at 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 Donal in Dungarvan was listening to the programme yesterday while actually travelling on a bus from Cork to Dungarvan and actually that was one of the buses that we mentioned when we were going with Councillor James O'Connor when we were going through the different costs of bus journeys and how expensive shorter journeys it just didn't make any sense at all you could be on the same route but you'd get on the bus later in the journey you'd be doing less mileage less kilometres you'd be charged more than somebody that got on at the start of the route and one of the ones mentioned was the Cork to Dungarvan bus anyway Donald says he knows the reason why the buses from Cork to Dungarvan are cheaper than they are from those who travel from East Cork he said a number of years ago uh, Dublin Co... Dublin Coach, I know it was a Dublin Coach or a company called Dublin Coach, set up a service which came from Dublin to Waterford, uh, on into Dungarvan and then on to Cork. They had a fare of €9 to Cork. So Bus Aaron had no choice. They had to reduce their fare to a similar price as everybody was going on what at the time they were calling the Green Bus. The only ones that were using Bus Aaron were those that had the free travel. But then the Green Buses started to accept the free travel pass. So that's why it's cheaper to go from Dungarvan to Cork City. It's all to do with competition. Bit of competition came in and you can't beat it. 1850 on learner drivers. The Clancy Amendment and law, says Stephen, would be struck out, he reckoned, if it was challenged in court. And the reason he gives is a young lad in the country doing farm work. He drives to his place of work and is accompanied in his car. Then he gets out when he gets to his place of work, i.e. a farmyard, and he gets into a big tractor and a trailer and he's driving around unaccompanied. And Stephen reckons on that grounds that the law should be challenged. 
Okay. Um, then he said, when you drive on the roads, you have to battle briars and overgrown hedges. How is that safe? Where's the Road Safety Authority when it comes to overgrown road uh, ways? And John in Donnerail staying on Learner Drivers said years ago, I did a test for a motorbike and I got it first time round. Then I applied for a car driving licence separate. Each one of those licences only lasts for so long. Is that law still in place as I know people who have provisional licences for eight to ten years? I'm, I'm, I don't quite understand what you're getting at. Is that law? Each one of those licences only lasts for so long. Is that law? Is that law still in place? As I know, people have provisional license for eight to ten years. Yeah, your your license runs out. Your learner permit was a provisional license. It's a learner permit. Your learner permit runs out. I don't know if it's after two years or one year, and then you have to apply for a driving test in order to renew your learner permit. But then, what we've discovered, the problem is. Once you apply for your driving test, you get a letter from the Road Safety Authority, piece of paper to say you've applied for your test. And then if your provisional licence runs out while you're waiting for your test to come through, come to, you can't drive around without a licence. So you go into the NDLS now is where you go for your driving licence. You go in there and you show them your piece of paper and you say, I've applied for my test. They then give you another learner permit, which is meant to tide you over until you get your test. But what people are doing is they're just hanging, they're ripping up the piece of paper, not turning up for the driving test. And then they drive away on their learner permit. And then when it runs out again, they go back in and they do the procedure all over again. So that's how, John, in Donnerwell, you know of people who are on provisional driving licence for eight to ten years. And that's not to say that they haven't attempted their test and just failed. You can't have people who fail many times. We've spoken with people down through the years. God help them who have failed five, six, seven and more times. 1850 we're going to take a break and we are back uh, chatting with the gentleman who's been forced to close his outdoor adventure centre because of insurance costs. C103 presents a taste of West Cork Food Festival which returns September 6th to 15th. The festival celebrates all that's unique about West Cork. With food markets and cooking demonstrations, talks and exhibitions, children's events, adventures and more. There's something for the whole family. For full schedule of events, see a tasteofwestcork.com. Only on C103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. The owner of a family adventure centre has been forced to close after 21 years in business due yet again to the soaring insurance costs. Dave Robinson of Rathbegan Lakes Family Adventure Park in County Meath joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Dave. Good morning. Um, you, you're welcome. Um, can I start by saying I'm so sorry uh, to hear that you've been forced uh, to close your business. And sadly, you're not the first and you're not going to be the last business to, uh, to close. This is the really frightening part of this story. Just outline how your own insurance premiums have grown over the years. Well, initially, Rathbegan Lake started off as an angling centre and that worked very well until the recession. And then our customers were all sort of tradesmen, if you like, and they all emigrated. We had one playground. We started to attract people as a, as a staycation venue. At that stage, our insurance was very small. It was like a visitor farm level, five or eight grand. And then as we began to realize the value of creating a, a, a picnic park and a fun park, we 
built it up slowly and the insurance increased, you know, at a reasonable rate every year because you'd introduce a new attraction, you'd negotiate a price with it and, and normal business. Um, however, last Christmas, we realised that there was a difficulty with the insurance market and we knew that some of the companies were making noises about reducing their their uh, requirement to cover uh, Irish businesses because of the same culture. And I started looking, even though our renewal wasn't until March, I started looking before Christmas, found it difficult. And just before our renewal date, my own broker of 11 years, who had tried his very hardest for us, said, Dave, you may go shopping around yourself. He says, I'm not getting much response here. And that was in uh, February, March of, la- of this year, early on. So I took a business decision then at that point that we had a number of school tours already, deposits paid and booked. And we, we, were, we were looking at not having insurance. And then we eventually got a quote, which was approximately 100% increase in what we had paid for the entire park the previous year. So I made the decision then. I said I would pay it for this year. I would announce that we were going to close. I would close in a controlled fashion. And that I would make it very loud that this was an overhead for small businesses, mostly family businesses, that has increased by 100% and no business in the world can sustain that. That's like your corner shop trying to fight against your little analogy. Absolutely, absolutely. Dave, was it a very difficult decision, though, to shut up shop? You know, family business that's been there for 21 years. Yes, I know. And it originally came from a farm diversification project. And we had the foot and mouth here and we dealt with loads of stuff and we built it up. And I tell you, it was a life adventure for sure. It was fun to do it. But when the fun goes out of it because of the finance, I know. you know, really, I know. do I, I need know. the drama? Do I need the pressure? I've had the fun, but I'm not going to go on and struggle on. And, you know, I've made this very clear that I'm, I'm a member of Fine Gael and I'm very unhappy with the way this has been dealt with. We've had no action since the start of the flagging of this. And you said it. I'm not the first. I certainly won't be the last. And the sort of whiplash effect of the delayed closure of businesses, the real job tally on this will not be seen until the end of next year because so many businesses are going to make the decision this winter as to whether to open or not next spring. And your own, you would, your own uh, job loss. How many people have lost their jobs? 28 this year. Wow, wow. All young people, young people that I've loved working with. You know, it's their first job. It's the first time they get to meet the public. Mm. When they've done a season or two with us at Rathbegan Lakes, they can go to work in a bar or a pub. They, they, you know, they can do face-to-face stuff. And a lot of our... In fact, that was the lovely thing about our, our weekend closing. You know, it was a sad weekend. But so many of ex-staff came back uh. to, you know, really brilliant. Like, And they're men now, and some of them have their own kids. And, you know, a 21-year business, to be able to do that... And then this year's crop of kids, we did a super night on Sunday night and I spoke to them and I did get quite emotional because it was the part of the job I loved most was creating people that understand how to give a bit of service, you with me? Yeah. That, that industry. And service and leisure, it should be huge in Ireland. It's our thing. We are the garden of the world, the playground of Europe. You know, and here we are. And we're making it terrible for ourselves. We're ruining ourselves. We have let this happen. The claims culture... And then the solicitors and the courts and the inaction of the leaders. 
And we are, we are heading, um, Dave, because I've done countless interviews on this topic, particularly with the uh, Alliance for Insurance Reform. I don't know if you're a part of that group or not. I, I, but, I am and yeah, I have worked with them. Yeah, and we, we've, we know, we've done mean, so we many interviews on it. But we're getting to the stage where we, where parents, and this is where parents have to wake up and realise this, there won't be anywhere them, for them to bring their children, indoors well, look, or outdoors. Patricia, look, as, as, we, as we all get older every year, I'm optimistic that perhaps some of the judges may have children of their own or grandchildren of their own even and that their own grandchildren might say Grandad, I can't go to the Church's place anymore. You see, we can't influence the judges, but they must see in the real world that the effect of this is going to be serious. You know, the whole thing needs to change. And I was reading only in the papers today, there's another uh, adventure centre in uh, Old Castle and County Meath, Lock Yes, Crew. and that's, they yeah, that's, why I, that's why I'm particularly glad to be able to speak to you today, because this is the country-wide, country-width problem we have. While I was speaking on LMFM radio in Loud yesterday, um, Lock Crew Adventure Centre announced that their insurance had doubled, and she was closing down her section as well. She's left with a coffee shop and a visitor garden. Again... 12 or 13 jobs. It's just... And then there's also a knock-on in your own area, Dave, in that, okay, people came and, you know, they spent time with you. But, you know, if they're visiting the area, people get chatting, anything else I should be doing around here, Dave? You're obviously sending them on to other businesses. Well, this was the thing, and we had a lot of other businesses feeding into us. You know, you'd be... Your wholesaler is now down a little bit. I'm not... I can keep anybody going, but I contributed to other businesses, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. even as a small farm family business. So my my mission now, as I'm, I have plenty of time now on my hands, and I'm delighted to speak to you and to speak to, the, to the, your audience because it is a countrywide problem. Mm. Mm. And it needs effective change promptly because, the, as I said, there's going to be countless families sitting down this Christmas wondering or not whether it's worth their while or not to continue. And if we have tourists here, and our own children, and we've no activities and no healthy outdoor-style uh, time to spend, we've, we're lost, really. You know, and we also serious. need to get people to wake up and smell the roses with this claims culture and this litigious society that we live in, that if your child falls and scratches or sprains their ankle, bring them home and look after them. Don't be heading into your solicitor to go to court to look for money. Absolutely, my child fell and I immediately rang the solicitor. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, no, no, that's, it, it, that has to change completely as well. And I think certainly the real people of Ireland realise this. Like, they're talking to me, they're saying, Dave, like, you know, you know and see, we, had, we didn't have any claims personally. Even the, we had one five, six years ago, I think. But, that you know, we had none accounting for our increase. It's the industry as a whole has suddenly been branded as a bad bet yeah. to all the big high risk, high risk. You know? but it's pile, yeah. it's pile on the insurance. It is high risk. And, wh- and what now? What now for Dave Robinson? What's your plans? Well, for the future? certainly, I'm going to spend a bit of time lobbying and trying okay. to get the disparate groups of leisure because the leisure industry is a huge, wide-ranging thing. It goes from bouncy castles to cycling parks to all sorts of things. And these people have been terribly busy this summer because they're trying to make a living. So now, as it slows down, my intention is to try and see if we can get all the different groups of people together and get one voice, like a bunch of farmers, really, like in the yeah, or yeah. something. They can shout loud. Yeah, yeah, well it's, done. It's a leisure industry. It is an industry. We have lots of jobs. We will lose those jobs. And we know more than that, Tricia. Here's what I really think. We'll drive entrepreneurship out of our nation. 
Which will be a sad, sad day for this country. We will stay in contact with you, Dave. In the meantime, thank you for that. And, and thanks thank for joining you for the us. Opportunity. Thanks thank for you, joining sir. us. Bye bye. What a lovely man that is, Dave Robinson. Now, I suppose, formerly of Rathbegan Lakes Family Adventure Park in County Meath, forced to close last Sunday after 21 years. That's, that's gut wrenching, it uh, really is. But we will all be the sorry losers because of places like Dave's uh, closing down. And as I say, I uh, read in the paper today that Lock Crew. Adventure Centre is just outside Old Castle in County Meath. They were also being forced to close 100% insurance premium hike. They paid 20,000 last year and their premium this year 40,000. That is just ridiculous. So they've also been uh, forced to uh, close uh, as well. Uh, another one to add what is going to become a very very long list. 1850 333 103. Lines open. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie The Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie C103 This is the Cork Today replay on C103 Greenway is a dedicated cycle and walking path linking places to one another and to date there have been a few dedicated greenways in Ireland which have a huge potential for developing ecotourism in the region where they have been established. Fine Gael Councillor John Paul O'Shea is calling for a Duhallow Greenway and he joins me to discuss his proposal. Good morning to you John Paul. Uh, good morning Patricia. And good morning. You're, you're welcome to the programme. Ideally where would you like to see the Greenway developed? Well, I suppose, Patricia, back in 2016, there was money allocated uh, to IRD Dohalo through the Rural Economic Development Zone scheme, uh, which is a specific scheme, I suppose, uh, appointed to, I suppose, exploring the possibility of economic benefits in the area. And one that was selected at the time was to propose a greenway between the towns of Kenturk and Newmarket. And that feasibility study was done. And the, uh, I suppose the outcome of that says that it is feasible for um, a, a greenway to be, um, I suppose, developed uh, between the towns of Kenturk and Snowmarket as uh, a first step in developing a Duhallow greenway uh, in North Cork. As you know, and your listeners would know, uh, Cork County Council and the government have developed a number of greenways right across the county and indeed across Ireland. Um, you know, with one just being approved for y'all in recent months, and we also have the one that's open between Crosshaven and Carrigaline in the county as well, Patricia. So I think it's important from a North Cork perspective, now that we have a feasibility study done, that we progress the possibility of actually putting it in place. How much would a greenway cost? Well, there's there's three um, set of options, depending on the type of work that needs to be done. Uh, and, like, I mean, you know, it's eight kilometres of a greenway, but I think it, the cost in the region is, is in the region of about €2 million Euros, uh, to provide that eight kilometre um, pathway and cycleway uh, between both towns. That's that Cantorque to Newmarket. Cantorque to Newmarket, yeah. which is an approximate eight kilometres, Patricia. Uh, the feasibility study was based on uh, putting the greenway in between uh, on the old railway line, which runs between Cantorque and Newmarket. Is there much of that um, left? Did the, did the feasibility study look at that? 
Yes, there is. So there's oh. there's in there's in the uh, there's uh, the, the railway is still there. Some of it is being used uh, by the individual landowners. So like all, I suppose, um, uh, agreements that have to be made uh, with Cork County Council and um, the Department of Community Rural and Development, uh, they would have to be consultation with other landowners, and uh, that is still not in the uh, in the ownership of uh, the Great Southern Railway. Uh, there would have to be some discussion with landowners. But this is the very start. How many? Do you know cost. how many landowners would be? In, would be? Are we? I believe there's more than a dozen, Patricia. Okay, it's not too bad. And it's not too bad. Yeah, so I think um, I think it's important, I suppose, that what I'm calling her for here today is for Cork County Council to initiate that process. We have a dedicated uh, staff in Cork County Council to develop greenways and develop uh, cycle paths and, and walkways uh, through the county. And, and I suppose my call here today is encouraging Cork County Council to bring this forward. And I'll be bringing forward a motion now that we're back in seating uh, again. We'll be bringing forward a motion to Cork County Council and asking for the initiation of this. I think it has huge potential from a tourism perspective, but not only from the tourism perspective, Patricia. It also has a huge benefit economically uh, to both towns, but it also has a huge benefit as well uh, for the health of the area of North Cork, which the people of North Cork will have the benefit of using that uh, service if it's put in place. Yeah, one greenway that I would know uh, quite well is the, is the Dacia greenway the one that links Dungarvan to uh, Waterford because I have a sister living in, in Dungarvan that has been hugely successful to the area but one of the real delights is seeing entire families heading out for cycles Absolutely indeed Patricia and it's a safe access for people to go cycling or for walking uh, that they're off the main roads we have it here in Duhalo, um significantly where a lot of people that live in small towns and villages like Kenturk and Namakal but also the villages in between uh, that would like to I suppose access a facility like this that is safe uh, for the entire family to use and I think it's important I suppose that we would try and progress that as soon as we can. You, is there funding there within Cork County Council do you believe? Well, there is, and there's funding available through um, uh, the Department of Rural and Community Affairs also. So I think it's important, I suppose, now that we have a feasibility study done, it's important to go to the next step of the phase, which is ensuring, I suppose, that we commence the process of uh, engaging with landowners, engaging, engaging with the, the Irish Rail and the Great Southern Railway, who owns uh, some of the, um, the land still, and to see if it's a possibility to progress it uh, to a planning stage. And if that is the case, well, then we need to progress it as quickly as possible to ensure that we do have a facility like that in North Cork. I, I didn't even realise that there had been a railway line between Cantork and Newmarket. When did that close? I think it closed in the, around uh, circa 1963. Oh, was um, it? Okay. So, right. And... Patricia, this is only the first step in the in the process of agreement through Duhalla. The, the the railway line, the old railway, railway line, runs east and west of both towns uh, of Newmarket and Kenturk as well. But this would be the phase one of the development of a greenway for Duhalla. So eight kilometres is the first stretch that could be developed. Yeah. We have a feasibility study now confirming that it's feasible uh, to do that. Uh, there is a, a, an appropriate costing associated with that. So I think it's important that we would progress that now and see if it is achievable to bring this uh, project to fruition. And even though, as you say, that uh, feasibility study was uh, commissioned by uh, IRG Duhalo in 2016, the, the council would still recognise and use that feasibility study. Would they or would they insist on doing their own? 
No, absolutely, because um, I suppose the Rural Economic Development Zone uh, scheme at the time offered local authorities and local development companies the opportunity to put forward feasibility studies. So the feasibility study put forward by IRD Duhallow at the time would have been fully supported by Cork County Council. And we worked very closely with the likes of IRD Duhallow in progressing initiatives like this and their services through the Rural Social Scheme, for example, through the Community Employment Scheme, and through their great work that they've done um, recently with their life projects, because they have done with a lot of landowners and farmers in that area in doing um, the life project in the River Aloe and the River Blackwater. So there's a huge level of experience there, Patricia, that can be brought forward uh, through the offices of IRD and indeed through the offices of Cork County Council in bringing this project to fruition. Okay, all right, so you're going to raise it at council level then? Absolutely, Patricia, I'm hoping for the support of all my uh, colleagues in Cork County Council and indeed of the executives uh, and we'll progress to the next stage. But it's important, I suppose, that once we do that, I suppose it's important to get the feedback uh, from the communities as well. And I think since uh, I've made that call earlier this week, there's been a number of calls to my office and, and to myself uh, in just in relation to supporting that and having the opportunity of having our own greenway here in Hollow, where we see others developed in East and West Cork uh, at the moment, it's important, I suppose, that North Cork. Yeah, there's none in there's that. none in there's none in North Cork. It would be the first, wouldn't it? It would be the first, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's important right. that now that we have some in East, South, and West, that it's important that we have a feasibility study here that we continue uh, that good work that has been done. Okay, terrific. We'll keep uh, it's a great idea. We'll keep in contact with you on it, uh, John Paul. In the meantime, thank you for that, and no thanks problem. for joining morning, us. Patricia. That uh, good morning to you. That is uh, North Cork Fine Gael Councillor uh, John Paul O'Shea and Greenways. Honestly, whenever they come to an area they have a huge, huge potential for generating employment through uh, ecotourism. Even though Madge makes an interesting point, uh, we're talking about opening up greenways on the programme today and yet your first interview was about closing down adventure centres. How daft are we? Yeah, it doesn't make sense because, uh, you know, the, the whole idea of the greenway is to get people fit, get people active, get them out and about enjoying the fresh air. Isn't that exactly what the adventure centres are doing as well? But unfortunately, they're being stymied by the high cost of insurance. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your texts coming in first on learner drivers that with the topic we're going to be addressing in this hour. Patricia says a texter. Learner drivers are now required to be accompanied by a qualified driver at all times. However, it just doesn't make sense that for many years returning citizens have been required by law to redo their driving tests when returning home. It seems so unfair to target these people when Ireland had never enforced a basic rule regarding learner drivers until now. These qualified drivers will have to revert to becoming learner drivers and will be required to have a fully licensed person accompanying them at all times, even though they've been driving driving safely and legally for many years, just doing it in a different country. How can that be uh, justified? Now, it isn't all returning uh, emigrants. It depends on the country where you received your driving licence. Some of the countries we have this reciprocal arrangement with whereby you come home with your full driving licence and then you exchange it for an Irish one. But if you learned to drive and holding a driving licence in a country that doesn't have the reciprocal driving licence arrangements, which unfortunately does include uh, America and parts of Canada, then those people, yes, are forced to come home and 
that licence is of no use to them and they have to start all over again. The only thing is last year, it was introduced last year in the start of uh, February of 2018, they introduced, the government introduced measures to make it a little bit easier for those immigrants and uh, the who are returning from a country whose driver's licence wasn't recognised and they changed the rules slightly in that instead of the mandatory 12 essential driver training lessons that you'd have to sit they recognised that people have been driving in another country and under the new measures drivers will now only have to sit six lessons instead of 12 before sitting their driving test it just it softened it slightly not enough though not enough it's one of the ones I think that we hear the most about when people are complaining about returning to this country and when people are compl- when it comes to driving tests so yeah uh, people very very aggrieved I, I quote the gentleman who contacted us who had been driving for 20 years through the streets of New York driving around Brooklyn every day and as part of his job he had to drive every day through New York, New York traffic and beyond he went to other parts of America never once in an accident never even had a tip off another car and he came back here thinking he just could exchange his licence and he wasn't able to uh, do it. Johnny McCroom he to go back and start all over again. Johnny McCroom says on learner drivers I totally agree with the Clancy Law ad that we're now hearing will be rerunning in uh, October uh, about learner drivers. Learner drivers are deemed not competent to drive alone until assessed by a certified assessor. Until then, they are a danger to themselves and to others. So says John in McCroom. So he thinks the ad, which does pack a powerful punch and a very, very sad uh, message, he thinks it's right that that ad uh, will be shown and it will be it was shown December and January into February of last year and they got the I don't think they ever received as many complaints as the RSA who put that ad together I don't think they've ever received as many complaints about a road safety ad as they have of that particular one and I'm assuming we'll get the same number of complaints again when it airs in uh, October 1850 Mag says the first learner permit should be for three years and then let people become drivers. I, I, don't, I, I would have to check uh, and see what it is. John Paul might look it up. The first, the first learner permit, is it a two year one or a one year one? I thought the first one was two and then does it go to one year after that? We'll get that checked. But anyway, Mags reckons it should be three years and then that gives people a chance to get the practice in. But remember, Mags, in that three years, they cannot be, if you want to wait and be driving for three years before you take your test, those people cannot be driving unless they have an accompany driver with them at all times. And someone else says, simple solution to all of this problem is stop giving out the learner permits. It's the Road Safety Authority's fault at the end of the day. They are the ones responsible for learner permits. They are the ones who can change the rules. They need to change the rules and stop giving them out uh, willy-nilly to somebody who just applies for a test, doesn't turn up for the test and can then simply get another learner permit. Okay, on some other issues coming in on a greenway for Two Hollow that we raised the possibility of that with John Paul O'Shea, local councillor. It's his proposal and suggestion that 
to Hollow. She'll have a greenway. There's other areas of Cork have a greenway. Do Hollow doesn't, North Cork doesn't have a greenway. Uh, Texas says, Do Hollow would want more houses and not a greenway? As far as I can see, there seems to be no shortage of money for these kind of things. Common sense would go a long way, says this texter who doesn't want a greenway. Instead, wants houses to be built, please. And we've had reaction to Dave Robinson, who joined us, who was talking about his adventure, his outdoor adventure centre in County Meath that's been forced to close. They closed up shop last Sunday after 21 years in business. And actually, I went online because I've never visited his Rathbegum Adventure Centre before. I only heard about it, unfortunately, on Sunday when he closed his doors. So I went online yesterday checking it out and it looked like a wonderful place. Absolutely. There's a zip lining for the children and there was water play and it just looked like great, great fun. And it was... The particular video clip that I saw, it was packed. It was a lovely sunny day, loads of people there. And it's one of those centres in County Meath that's used a lot for children going on their school trips. So there'll be a lot of children will miss out. And, you know, they get to the age where they know they're going to be going to such an adventure park when they get into second class or third class. And suddenly for the next generation of children, they'll never get to go there because the centre has been forced to close because of high insurance uh, costs. Uh, Patricia, talking about cult talking about the claim culture you needn't go any further than the meat factories they won't talk to the farmers but all they seem to be interested in doing is talking to barristers and uh, judges that's the world in which we live today John says Patricia that man Dave Robinson who had on the programme in the last hour is spot on about insurance it's the very same with farm insurance it has gone up it's unreal over the last number of years people simply cannot afford it says John and then the fear is that if insurance goes up, you make the decision, will we run without insurance? And that's just, uh, you didn't even want to contemplate what it would be like to do business and not have any insurance. And on a farm, could you imagine it? And not have any insurance. And hi, Patricia, there will be a lot more businesses closing down if something is not done urgently. My son's business insurance has more than doubled this year because of a pending claim, which is no fault of his. The insurance companies are taking the easy option very often by not fighting these claims and then what do they do? They double and treble the premium. The amount of claims being paid out is ridiculous and so many businesses live in fear that somebody is going to come in and they're going to trip over something, they're going to have a small fall or they might even set it up themselves, put a claim in and just one claim like that can absolutely destroy a small business. You know, the claim mightn't even be for a huge sum of money, but that's the one claim that can then push the premium, double it, treble it, and can put a small business out of uh, business. And it, it, it just, it's so sad to hear of somebody in business, somebody's putting a claim in, you know, this businessman knows it was absolutely no fault of his. But the insurance company will decide, well, the best way to go with this, cheapest way, rather than hire the barristers and the solicitors and have to go to court, we'll just pay them off. Even though it could have been a spurious claim, that's what we need. We need more fighting of those claims. If we start fighting more of them and start publicising the fact that people were cut out for either setting up a claim or exaggerating a claim, it then might act as a deterrent to others not to make the claim or else charge them. If they go after a claim and they lose it, they just walk away from court at the moment. So, I mean, that's a mugs 
it's 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 uh, it's, it's certainly a mugs game for the, for the business people. They haven't a foot to stand on, and yet somebody can remember that girl that we saw on the TV. Only that there was CCTV. She put a piece of glass. She had it down her top, and you could clearly see her on the CCTV. It was lucky the CCTV footage, lucky where she sat. Unlucky for her was right in front of the camera, and you saw her look around to make sure there was no staff member coming. Put her hand down her top take out something in her hand, pop it into her mouth and then she starts this over-exaggerated oh, I found glass in my food, I found glass in my food and of course straight away the business knew she couldn't have found glass in her food because they don't have any glass. It was a piece of clear glass. They don't have any glass in the kitchen. You know, even where the dishwashing is done is separate to where the food prep is so they knew glass couldn't have ended up in anybody's food. Straight away they went back over the CCTV footage, realised what the guard had done drew attention to her and said we know what you've done and what did she do she just walked away that was it gone done and she'll probably try this, try the same trick uh, somewhere else we just have to stop those uh, spurious claims as well 1850 uh, and I hope your son manages to get the insurance cover at a reasonable cost and that hopefully maybe the insurance company will take on that person who has a claim in that's through no fault of your son's. Um, John Paul's taking your course. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. A minibus driver is wanted for a school run that's in the Charleville area. You need to have a D1 licence and up-to-date CCP essential. Sales assistant is wanted for a busy pet shop. It's part-time, one to two days per week. While a childminder is wanted three days per week. Now it's looking after two children. There's a two and a half year old and a 14 month old in their own home. And relief preschool staff wanted for Bandon, Dunmanway and Skibbereen. A minimum please of Fetech level five in childcare. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103. C103 presents a taste of West Cork Food Festival, which returns September 6th to 15th. The festival celebrates all that's unique about West Cork. With food markets and cooking demonstrations, talks and exhibitions, children's events, adventures and more. There's something for the whole family. For full schedule of events, see atasteofwestcork.com. Only on C103. Last week, I spoke with Moya Murdoch of the Road Safety Authority about the high number of learner drivers who were on their fourth and subsequent learner permit, with over 8,000 drivers having renewed their learner permit more than 10 times. Susan Gray of the Road Safety Group Park heard the interview and wasn't happy with some of Moya's responses. And uh, Susan joins me. Good morning to you, Susan. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome. Now, the simple solution to this problem is to make it mandatory for people to sit a driving test before renewal of a, per- a permit. I mean, is, isn't that the simple answer to it? Exactly, Patricia. It's not rocket science. And the day before you interviewed Miss Murdoch, she was interviewed here in Donegal by Highland Radio. And Greg Hughes asked her the same question you asked. Was it not the simple solution? to ensure that a person must sit the driving test before the RSA would accept money to renew their learning permit. And she would not entertain that at all. And I was totally shocked when you interviewed her the very next day. And her exact words to you when you put that solution to her was, Patricia, you've hit the nail on the head and we are 
sending that proposal to the minister to um, for his consideration. Now, what she, another thing she failed to tell you during that interview, that as far back as 2013, the RSA, the Road Safety Authority, was so concerned at the huge level of no-shows in their driving test centres, and people renewing their licence without ever sitting a driving test, that they put a proposal into their road safety strategy, 2013 to 2020. Action plan number 33, if anybody wants to look it up. And in that proposal, they said they were going to make it mandatory to set a driving test before renewal of a permit was granted by the Road Safety Authority. This was to reduce long-term reliance on multiple learner permits by introducing measures to ensure that learners set a driving test before they can obtain a subsequent permit from the Road Safety Authority. Now, to make matters worse, Patricia, the completion date they had on this action plan they were saying they were going to complete this and make it mandatory by the first quarter of 2014. They're, they're, we are, they're now a long way in off 2019, that deadline. Yeah. And they knew from 2013 that approximately 500 learners were not showing up for their test. And you put it so well last week on the Friday after interviewing Moya Murdoch, that in essence what the learner drivers were being allowed to do was buy a new learner permit, renew their learner permit by giving RSA €85. But why do you believe the Road Safety Authority hasn't introduced what seems simple enough make it mandatory? Why are they not? It couldn't be for... For, for for financial reasons, could it? Well, Michael Clifford from the Irish Examiner, he did a brilliant report on this in March 2018, where he said that almost 20,000 learner drivers were failing to show off their test every year, resulting in a 1.7 million windfall for the Road Safety Authority. Because it's, now, it's 85 asked, euro, just to explain to people, it's 85 euro to apply for your driving test. So you apply, you and, if, apply. and if you don't turn up, you lose that 85 euro. Oh, yes. Yeah. And if you apply and don't turn up, by paying that 85 euro and producing the document saying that you've applied and got a test date, you send that to the RSA and they send you out a new learner permit. You don't have to show up for the test at all. So um, Michael Clifford ha- got a statement from Brian Farrell at the time from the RSA. And he said, this is on 1st of March 2018, that the authority has been engaged with the Department of Transport over a long period attempting to address this issue. Five years, Patricia. They cannot be serious about addressing this problem or they would have done what you and Greg Hughes pointed out to her, the obvious solution. But they're running this advertising campaign, uh, Susan, at the moment, encouraging people to take their test. I mean, we've been running the ads uh, here uh, and I've seen them on, I'm sure I've seen them on TV as well. But that's not enough. 
Well, what what are they saying in that? What? They're saying that um, encouraging people the to learners, take the test. Yeah. Yes, and if they do, their premium will come down when they have a full license their insurance premium. Everybody knows that. That's nothing new. That the learners knew that in two thousand thirteen. Uh, the other solution they said, or one of the other proposals they said they were putting to the minister was to increase the cost of renewing the learner permit. If they didn't set the test, the learner permit would now cost them uh, €50 instead of 35 An increase of €15. Where's that money going to? Road safety authority. Is €15 going to change the mindset of learner drivers? Is that going to be the encouragement they need? Okay. Have you any understanding and why do you believe so many people are not sitting their test? I mean, it's over 40,000 at the moment. Some of them will be young drivers who are, you know, just get, getting their experience. But this over 8,000 who are on their 10th and subsequent learner permit, why do people not want to sit their test? There's probably various, a lot of different reasons. They're not ready for the test. They can't be bothered. They know the back of their mind that they're going to get a new learner permit. They're going to get it reviewed, whether they turn up or not. And that's unforgivable that Dorothy hasn't stamped this out. How many people could have been saved in our road since 2013 if they had have introduced that? How many learner drivers would have been encouraged to practice and practice and actually go for the test? How many people that have been killed on the roads by learner drivers unaccompanied, how many of them could have been saved? It's, we we are losing such respect, Patricia, for the Road Safety Authority. There are so many issues. Another issue I want to bring up very quickly is the issue of Disqualified drivers not surrendering their license mm. to the RSA. Mm. Now, we know from reports through the outstanding TD, independent TD, Tommy Bruin, continually raising it in the doyle. He's asked, like, for example, last year, how many people were disqu- had court disqualification. It was over 9,000. Then he asked how many of those 9,000 surrendered their license to the RSA as is law. Under a thousand, Patricia, almost eight thousand did not return their license. Now he then asked how many of those that didn't surrender their license were brought back to the court because RSA was practically saying, "Not our problem. We write out to these drivers. We ask them to surrender their license. If they don't, it's totally then a job for the guardy to enforce the law, knock on the eight thousand doors of these drivers." either get their licence or take them back to court for the offence of driving or the offence of not surrendering their licence. Now, Deputy Bruin asked then how many drivers were taken back to court last year for the offence of not surrendering their licence. Bear in mind that almost 8,000 didn't surrender. Eight drivers were all that were taken back, Tricia. And And not one uh, uh, of them 
were convicted. Not uh, one of them. And again, there's a simple solution there. When when the person is in court, they should be forced to have their licence with them the day they go to court. It's a little bit like when you turn up to do a driving test, you have to have your learner permit with you. If you turn up in court on a road traffic offence, by law, you should have your licence with you. And therefore, if it is going to be taken off you, it gets taken off you there and then. Yes. And the Road Safety Authority, yet again, did not help matters when we did analysis a few weeks ago on court figures that Deputy Bruin caught on conviction rates. Yeah, we spoke with you here on this programme about that, yeah, the start of August, yeah. Now, the RSA, we realised, we discovered that something like 75% in some cases were not presenting their licences in court. The RSA's statement on that was that they understood that some of the courts may be too busy to record a licence number. What message is that sending out to our district courts and to the law-breaking drivers who are repeatedly coming before the courts, coming before the courts on speeding, drink driving, holding a mobile phone offence, not getting their licences recorded? Surely the RSA should have been reminding the courts in their statement of the huge need for their licences to be recorded in order for the RSA, Transport and the Gardaí to be able to do their job properly and identify those that have been convicted in court. Yeah, and if those should be off the road or not. And, and just just on, just on learner drivers, uh, Ms Susan, I mean, since the beginning of 2018, more than 1,600 cars have been seized from unaccompanied uh, drivers. Uh, are you happy with the clampdown on learner drivers by the Gardaí? Yes. We're, we're delighted that um, they've taken it serious now. When my husband died, uh, the unaccompanied learner driver continued to drive. And when we continued, when we continually uh, reported it to the Guardian Donegal, they ignored it. And their answer to us was, Mrs. Gray has the country's driving like that. Which now, which, yeah. I take that sentence to my grave. <sighs> and my children were 10 and 12 at the time. And we had gone to the nearby town and we would continually meet Michael McCorgan, still driving, unaccompanied, no outlet, and the children would say, but Mum, why is he still allowed to break that law? Because the guards are ignoring it. So we've come a long way, Patricia, now. The guards, there's some brilliant guards out there that we work really closely with, and they're enforcing this law now. It took a long time, but it's being enforced. So we welcome that. I think it's one. 1,623 in the 5th of August. Yeah, and and hopefully, hopefully, you know, by talking about those figures, it will encourage those uh, 40,000 odd who are still on learner permits of four and more. Hopefully it will encourage them to go and get their licence because they're in, if they're stopped by the Gardaí and they don't have an accompanied driver with them, uh, their car could be uh, removed. And just very finally, Susan, because I mentioned this earlier in advance of you uh, coming on, the uh, and, and obviously uh, Noel Clancy, who you would know is live is living locally, and the the ad, the Crash Lives ad, that caused a lot of controversy. Certainly locally, you had some people who thought it was a very, everyone thought it was a very powerful ad, but some people were against it. Um, 
there's talks that the ad is going to be reshown again from October. Are you very much in favour of those ads that really have a very powerful message in getting that message home to people of the dangers of an unaccompanied learner driver? Yes, we have been totally in favour of that ad. Anything that we can do, and poor Noel shouldn't have had to go this, go down this road, but he's, because of what happened to him, he's determined that others will not suffer the same fate. And he's looking at, he's thinking of the, the drivers as well as the people that may be killed by those drivers. We do know there's many unaccompanied learners that are being killed in road traffic collisions, Patricia. We do not want to see that, nor do we want to see them killing other people. Because their lives We're are destroyed forever as well. Yes. Yeah, 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 we absolutely. We want to see a better system and to save as many lives as we can on our roads. And maybe you would ask Moya Murdoch or Brian Farrell to come on to explain about um, what's happening in October because we only heard it last night, last night. And maybe we'd really appreciate if we could get if you could get Moya Murdoch to come on again to outline when the proposals are going to the minister making it mandatory for learners to set their driving tests for renewing okay. their learner permit. Okay, we'll see what we can do on that. Okay, um, Susan, and Williams, just before we sure. go, uh, one listener wants to know, are there actual stats on the number of people that have been killed by learner drivers? You would ask the RSA. The RSA, they'll have it. What right. they're saying is approximately 12 learner drivers are involved per year in yeah. fatal crashes and 10, approximately 10 of them are unaccompanied at the time. Okay. And some of those cases, the driver themselves may have been killed. Those stats are not good enough. The Road Safety Authority at this stage in 2019 should be able to give exact facts and figures on this, not approximately. All right, Susan, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Uh, Bye-bye. That is uh, Susan Gray, who is with the Road Safety Charity uh, Park. And, you know, her own life has been destroyed uh, because she lost her gorgeous husband and father of her children because of an unaccompanied learner driver. So it was probably a very stupid question of me to say, was she in favour of Noel Clancy's uh, ad? Of course, she would be in favour of it. Uh, 1850 Jump Hall, uh, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend, the weekend. by turning up the Feel Good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits. Join Nick Richards from 1 and Martina O'Donoghue from 4 as we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from 1. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. Now, Children in Hospital Ireland, a leading children's charity that provides play and fun for sick children in hospital around the country, are currently looking for volunteers to provide help at Cork University Hospital to find out who it would suit. I'm joined by Maura Laval, who is Marketing and Development Manager with Children in Hospital Ireland. Good morning to you, Maura. 
Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and How are you? Oh, I'm very well, and you're welcome uh, to, to to the program. Yours is a charity that kind of always puts a smile on my face. I love the the idea behind it, and I was surprised to hear it's going uh, almost uh, fifty years. Uh, so well done to you Thank and to you. everybody involved in that. Do you have volunteers literally all over the country? We do. We're currently in fourteen units. Um, so I think to be fully serviced around Ireland, we'd be in 18. So we've another four to go. But obviously, it's all about, um, you know, funding and, and resourcing um, to kind of fulfil all the hospitals. But that would but be yeah. your goal, would be to be in oh, any yeah. hospital that has a children's that unit. Pediatric unit, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So how much time is a volunteer asked to give? Yeah, so we ask um, our volunteers to give two and a half hours per week. Um, so it's a one shift per week. Um, generally, we try to keep it that their shift will be the same shift every week because they partner in teams of two or three. Okay. Um, and obviously, from an administrative perspective, you can't really have people hopping all over the place and coming in on different days because it's quite hard to manage. Um, we also ask our volunteers if they can kind of commit in their head to volunteering for uh, a year because that means that like obviously for us there's a consistency there in terms of the teams that will be going into the hospital and also just in terms of resourcing us because we have to obviously recruit, train and uh, place and guard a vet every volunteer. So with that, there's a cost with every volunteer. Um, but we do find that like we have some volunteers that are with us over 20 years. Oh, you know, I know, I know. Um, because I think a lot of our volunteers feel no matter what, like obviously sometimes it's not always happy, but they just seem to find that they feel they get more out of it than they that they put into it. You know, that they're going in, children are in there for whatever reason. It could be just a short stay or more long term and more serious. But the kids like are just wonderful, you know, and the way they just cope with their circumstances. And our volunteers then are able to give the parents a little bit of break, which is really important because I think we've kind of come full circle now, like in days gone by, the reason that our charity would have been set up is to um, was to fight for, for rights, parental rights to be able to stay with their child and even visit their child. Whereas now, you know, children have their parents at their bedside nearly 24-7 and our volunteers go in and say, listen, go and take a shower, take a break. You know, we're here just to play with your child. You know, yeah, because I mentioned that earlier when I was teeing up the fact that you were coming on. Mm-hmm. You know, for 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 a lot of parents, there one parent, if they're lucky enough to be able to stay with the child, then the other parent is at home with those other children, or if they've got if they've got to go to work. So if you've yeah. got a child in hospital, you can end up feeling very isolated, just you very. and the child. It can be yeah. a long, long day. Very long day. Um, I've been through it myself uh, many years ago, and it is. It's hard. So I think. You know, and the nurses are amazing, but they can't, they don't have the time to be doing anything other than their job. They're running off their feet. So, like, our volunteers are literally there to play, to facilitate play. So whether that's, you know, if it's a child in isolation, but they're allowed to have a volunteer come in, it can be just a game of cards at the bedside. Um, you know, so I suppose our our... Our objective is that every child in hospital, no matter what their circumstances, whether they're in isolation or whether they're there for a long or short term stay, that they have the opportunity to play because research shows again and again and again, it just normalizes the situation for them. It makes their experience much more positive. And that in turn helps if they do have to have a repeat visit, you know, and there are some people from an older generation that have have been traumatized by their hospital experience because back in the day it was so different. Um, 
So really, that's that's what our volunteers do. They just help make it a bit normal. And know? they and they literally go in and, and play with the with the children. So I mean, they exactly. don't need you don't need to bring any special skills with no you. No special skills, no experience needed. All that we ask is that a you're over eighteen, okay. and that b you you, you kind of like being around children. You know that you have a bit of patience and kindness, and that's they're the type of people that generally put themselves forward anyway. Um, and it's not to you know to teach or anything like that. It's to facilitate. It's child-led, so they decide what they want to do, and you're there to kind of help them. A lot of the time, we find arts and crafts is huge, like because yeah. I suppose it's kind of therapeutic, isn't it? And yeah. A lot of children they mightn't do it at home so much, but when they're in a hospital setting, it just something lends itself to exactly. it. Yeah, and the little yeah, table exactly. and the bed and everything. And are, are, you know, for another child, it might be read me a story. Absolutely, exactly. And the last time I was down in, in the playroom in Cork, a little girl came in and she was crying and I was thinking, oh gosh, I better get out and leave. And the mother came in after and said, no, 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 it's okay, she's crying. She actually doesn't want to go home. And she was coming <laughs> into the playroom to collect her like selection of artwork that she's done in the three days that she was there. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's a job well done then because that child will never have a bad feeling yeah, about that's great. near a hospital. Yeah. And you give training to the volunteers? Oh, full training, yeah, okay. absolutely. So um, basically we have our information evening, which is next uh, Thursday, the 12th of September, and that'll be in Cork. And that's where people can come along, find out about the organisation and, you know, all the details. And then we do little group uh, interviews to get a bit more information about each of the candidates. After that, they are then invited to a full day's training and for Cork, that will be on the 28th of September. It's a Saturday and it'll be full day, like from 10am to 4pm. Um, and with the process of paperwork, there's guard vetting and all of that. But we guide everybody through that and it's usually fairly straightforward unless there's a lot of people who've lived in unusual places, but generally it's fairly straightforward. Um, we ask for references. Um, obviously, you know, these are people, you know, vulnerable children. Yeah. So, yes, we're very cautious about all of that. Um, in Cork, can I just say, we they have a fabulous playroom, by the way, and a lovely team of volunteers there already. But we have um, our afternoons and evenings, really, our gaps that need to be filled. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about the, when you say two and a half hours, mm-hmm. um, there are evening sessions, I'm just thinking of somebody that maybe that works but would have an evening, would be exactly. free in the evenings. You yeah, do evening absolutely. sessions? Okay. Yeah, we do morning, afternoon and evenings. Okay. And weekends. So it's consistent. So that this, you know, the red t-shirts are there. That's kind of our, our visual identifier and the nurses are always like, yay, the red t-shirts are here, the playroom has been opened and happy days, the kids are being looked after um, so yeah but the afternoons particularly can be hard when you know because it's generally people who are maybe not working or retired or sometimes students who have you know a day that they mightn't have uh, lectures yeah, afternoon. yeah and when you say once they're over 18 the yeah. upper it, you no know would, upper would, yeah would it suit absolutely. granny and granddad who oh, might have, 100% yeah. Yeah. And I mean that's a, a huge cohort of our volunteers um, uh, we've got a, a diverse range of volunteers between different cultures, uh, age, gender. We're always looking for men. Okay. <laughs> Never enough men apply. But um, it's definitely not female-led at all because, you know, like any, everything, there's boys and girls and gender is, is important. Um, and, yeah, like there's no upper age limit. Like as long as somebody feels happy that they can be nice to a child and, and can sit and play for a while that's well done. all it is. Well done. Yeah. You've got a great website. I was on it yesterday. If people want to find out more, it's uh, childreninhospital.ie And Maura, how are you funded? 
So we have, we're funded in part by Pubble, the SSNO grant, which okay. um, would fund two of our core salaries because without our CEO and our volunteer manager, we wouldn't exist. Um, the rest of it is in some small HSE grants through the hospitals. And then the bulk of us then for the rest of us would be fund raising. Well done. Well yes, done. Well done. It's 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 terrific. It's just one of those gorgeous, gorgeous uh, charities. Just to remind us again of the dates, the information meeting for Cork University Hospital. Yeah, so it's Thursday the twelfth of September and it'll be from six to Which 8 is PM. this this night week. This, this night, night week. week. Exactly. Six until eight. People can simply turn up? No. No. We okay. ask them so because for numbers it's very difficult for us to manage. So we ask them to get in touch with us by email or, you know, go through the website. But the email is info at childreninhospital.ie. Okay. So they register with us and then they get the full information of, of everything that's gonna happen on the night and details of where to go, etc. Okay, and then the training session the next date then you need to keep free is Saturday exactly. the twenty eighth of September. Best exactly. of luck with them more. We'll thank keep in so contact much. with you. And thank you for joining us on the programme today. Thanks, uh, good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, more Laura Lavelle, who is Marketing and Development Manager with Children in Hospital Ireland. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, we have done numerous interviews this year with parents who are having problems trying to access concessionary tickets onto the school bus. Now, there's still some of the parents still fighting uh, with Bus Aaron and the school transport department to try to get extra buses put on and make extra seats available. But one group of parents with a little bit of a success were parents in the Ballyduff area. And only last week, Siobhan, one of the mums, joined us on behalf of a group of other mothers because they had successfully secured bus tickets for all 11 children who were left off the secondary school bus. So I was surprised when we got a call from Melinda in Ballyduff to say they're still having some problems. And Melinda joins me. Good afternoon to you, Melinda. Hi, good afternoon, Patricia. Now, Thank uh, you for having me on the show. Well, you're, you're more than welcome. Firstly, were you, you have a son and a daughter, primary and secondary. I do, yes. And when I was making my application in July because I was moving to the Ballyduff area, I was informed not to put the address on the application because obviously there was, um, I know parents were making applications and uh, to have the new bus facility. Um, So I had put an address in Kilworth because I said I need a bus for my daughter at least going from Kilworth to Formoy. So having been told by bus air and staff not to put the valid address on, my children wouldn't have been included um, at the eleven. Okay. So now I, I'm at a loss where um, I've paid for the concession and I've been informed that they have a 16-seater bus full and are not in a position to accommodate two other children on an 18-seater. So I'm in, in the country and my job brings me around the country so I'm not available. I'm on my own to bring the children. So so your, your daughter has no seat on the bus for secondary school? Now she has lost her seat completely and she was on it for the last three years. It's absolutely incredible. So how are you getting your, her in and out to school? Well, I had to collect my daughter at 2pm the other day and then come back and collect my son, but I'm not in a position when I'm working full-time to do this every day and, and also drop them in the mornings. So they're either going to be facilitated by family, uh, which isn't possible in the long term. I mean, it's a right to education for every child. It's it's basic, you know. Um, And what what are Bus Aaron saying to you? That they have a 16-seater and they can't accommodate another two seats on an 18-seater because it's not feasible. 
that's what I've been advised. And plus the fact that my son, having spoke with the bus driver last week, I was under the impression that there was originally a service for the primary school area near my house. So I had, you know, gone online, did the concession. My son was being brought home, dropped five miles away from my door. So I was in Cork working and he had to walk five miles to get to home. I mean, he was in the middle of nowhere, having moved house the week before. Disorientated, and what you you didn't know where the drop off point was? I had been well previously. The drop off point was near my home, but they've changed in the last. I wasn't aware that they've changed the bus route um, because it's not feasible to go down a laneway to cut across. You know, it's a circle, and they changed the circle route. I'm not sure exactly when it may have been at the last. So you, so your son's school bus is five miles away. Now, yes, which I wasn't aware of. For pick-up um, as well? Yes. So how how are you getting him to school in the morning? Uh, as I said, I'm either dropping or collecting or if I'm around the country working, um, they have to stay in towns or the village with family. It, but it's not possible long-term, you know. It, it, it's just not possible. So, you, I mean, it, so, so is your son a concessionary ticket as well? Well, I'm, I was waiting on the concessionary ticket, but I received a call from the inspector that they may, they're going to cancel. So they're going to cancel it? The application. For your son? And my daughter, because they don't have a space for her either. On the bus passing my front door, they can't accommodate another two people. Oh, OK. You want your son and daughter on the same bus so that... Uh, well, it, it, it makes sense. They're saying they can't do separate buses. Well, they can't do either. Uh, and it's it's not feasible to do separate. So my point is that a door, uh, you know, a bus passing my door, accommodate with another two. I've paid the concessionary, um, and I mean my son is twelve years old. It's not like he's a four year old, but I'm sure, you know, that he could be accommodated um, on the same secondary bus. Do they make do class? Do they mix primary and secondary on the bus? They don't, and I understand. I understand that if you have young children. But, I mean, considering the exceptional circumstances that I am in and the fact that my son is 12 years old, you know. Um, He'll be in secondary next that. year. Yeah, common sense exactly. would say. Yeah, but then they'll exactly. they'll say rules are rules and he's primary school and that's it. But even taking all well, that away. Well, then a primary school bus and just, I mean, the bus runs around, you know, we have a, a, a road upper and lower. So it comes across the upper and turns around yeah. and goes back instead of coming down a laneway of maybe a mile and going down the lower road, which would have been the original, it would have come around there for years and years. For 30 years, it would have done that service. You know? And are they it's saying that there's a closer school you should be sending your child to? Well, due to family delicate circumstances, that's not a possibility. Okay. And I don't wish to go into Okay, that. yeah, absolutely. I so you are, so are, you, are you at an appeals stage? Can you now appeal it? I have put in appeals, but I, I haven't heard anything back this week. So I, I'm, I don't know what the, the situation is or how long it will take. You know. So you're going to be relying on the kindness of family for... Which, which isn't also feasible in the long term because, you know, the children could be on a, a sofa, which isn't, I mean... Isn't ideal. Yeah, I do. And then you can just reapply next year and hope that you might get a concessionary ticket next year. I mean, that's just 
I don't know. I can't even look that far ahead. I, I don't imagine that I can continue to hold full-time employment and be driving around the country as you know, trying to pick up the children, and it's I know, just not I know, I know. We we I have to move house again. I've moved several times. We had a mother. Uh, we had a mother last year, last week, who said if her situation doesn't get uh, sorted out, that she's going to have to give up work, which is going to put and an ex and sign. She'll have yeah. to sign on the dole. She'll be saying we'll yeah, be entitled to a medical. What I mean, just I'm in a situation where I'm on my own, supporting myself and my children, and if I can't keep doing this runaround. I'm not going to be able to maintain a full-time position in the job that I'm in, you know. It's just not going to be possible, you know. So then, yes, I'm going on the dole, looking for housing. Um, all for the sake all, of two seats. All yes, for the sake yes. of two seats on a bus for your children. All right. Passing it's, my front door. It's a, it's a, I know, it's a tough situation that you find yourself in, uh, Melinda. Uh, keep in contact with us. Listen, thank, thank you for you that. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks thank uh, you for much. joining us. So there's so, God, there's still so many parents caught up with when there just isn't enough seats on the bus. It's just crazy. 1850-333-103. Some of your calls coming into us. Marion says, this is on the insurance costs. Um, when we were discussing with uh, Dave Robinson, who's been forced to close his outdoor adventure centre. Marion says, the government are spending money on a play area slash water sports in Dublin. I don't quite know what development you're talking about there, uh, Marion. But Marion reckons that these water sports can only be accessed by those who have a lot of money. Why are they not uh, investing in children's play uh, areas like the ones that we have access to across North Cork? The government are taking away childhood from children and if a parent falls or gets injured of a child I think that should be if a child falls or gets injured then surely surely says Marion it should be the fault of the parent stop all these claims Marion says many many times I'm at indoor play areas and I'm watching other parents they're sitting there having their cup of coffee their cup of tea and they're chatting with each other which is a lovely thing to do when you're at a play area but many of them says Marion are not monitoring and are not watching their children who are jumping around playing having a jolly good time but they are bumping into each, each other and accidents will and can happen in situations like that but surely says Marion it is down to the parents and it's it's the parents who should take responsibility. Uh, thank you for that. And actually, somebody else is making a similar point, saying, listen to you discussing the closure of the play facilities. Could parents wanting to take advantage of these facilities not ensure their own children against personal injury? I know, for example, some schools insist that pupils take out individual insurance. This would also act as a deterrent from parents rushing out to sue because if they were if it affected their own no claims bonus they might might stop and think about making a claim in the future if their own future premiums were to go up yeah, so I wonder has that been looked at uh, before thank you for that also coming into us um the driving licence. Oh, and I wanted to check how long did a learner permit last? A first and second learner permit usually lasts for two years each time, while a third and subsequent, this is from the RSA and the NDLS, while a third and subsequent permit lasts for one year. If you're taking out a third or subsequent permit, you must show evidence of having taken a driving test in the previous two years. Or, this is the arbit hold an appointment for a forthcoming driving test. Now listen to this. If you take a test, you'll be given a two-year permit. While 
if you hold a test date, your permit will only last for one year. So they know what people are up to. They absolutely know what people are up to. The very fact that they issue different learner permits, depending on if you sit the test and fail and whether you apply for the test and have no intentions at all of actually sitting it. To me, that looks like they know exactly what is going on. When is that going to change? James Inbury, there should be no learner permits, says James. You're either competent or you're not. It's like going onto a building site. You enter the site, you can't enter unless you have a safe pass. So we should do the same with the roads uh, where people are getting killed out on the roads. I drove, says James, across Munster at the weekend from the Obama Plaza in Moneygall over to Newcastle West and then on into Tallow. The regional roads are a disgrace between the poor surfaces and overgrown hedgerows. And then driver behaviour on those twisty roads. So no wonder there are people getting killed every single day of the week. Poppet on Twitter at C103 Cork says, what's this about the rage on learner drivers this morning? If anything, every person over the age of 60, says Poppet, needs to redo their driving test. They're more dangerous than any young person on the road today. And that is the truth. <laughs> Do I take it? Is Poppet a learner driver? I wonder. She's a younger driver anyway, that's for sure. So everybody over 60, go out and redo your test. You're more of a danger on the roads than anybody else. That's according to Poppet. Also, Paddy, the RSA needs to change their rules. I saw a couple of young fellas push a car into the NCT centre and obviously the car failed the test. But because it had gone through the test, guess what? They were able to drive the car away. It's the same with learner permits. If you fail the test, you can still drive your car away. That rule has to change. And Norma in Dunmanway says, our government are hell-bent on bringing hybrid and electric cars onto the market. Would they, not be, would they not be classed as automatic cars? So why are we pushing for people to do the driving test? Because driving a manual car is completely different to an automatic car. Well, we all need to reset our tests again. Uh, does everybody need to reset it? No, well, no, you won't. Because if you if you've passed your test in a manual car, then you're, you're any, you can drive and you'll just be shown how to drive an automatic. It's very easy to go from a, from a manual to an automatic. Now, it's very different if you learn to drive in an automatic and you pass your test in an automatic, you get a different type of licence. You would need a different licence if you then want to drive uh, a manual, but manual to automatic, not a problem. Not a problem uh, at all. 1850 Why are learner drivers blamed for everything, says this texter? It's speed, more than being a learner driver that are causing all of these accidents. Why are the 12 lessons mandatory before you go and sit your tests? That's €350 Euro just to take those 12 tests. Surely you should be left sit your test and if you fail, then you should be forced to do the 12 lessons. Would others agree with that, says a uh, texter. Some of your WhatsApps in practice makes perfect, says this texter. Learners won't get confidence if they can't drive their cars. Not every driver is in a position to have a full-time driver with them all of the time. A Mags in Passage says... 
her suggestion. This might be a good idea. What if you train drivers for as long as it takes for them to become a fully qualified driver and then leave them out on the road? Uh, the way it is, young drivers trying to drive with qualified drivers, it's hard to be a learner driver. So train them and then when they pass the test with a full licence, then it's okay to go out on the road. But how are they going to get the experience bags? I don't quite understand your train of thought there. As the previous texter said, practice makes perfect. I don't know how you can... Are you suggesting that we teach them all off-road and then when they pass their test uh, they head out. I don't know how practical that would actually be. And Catherine says Hi Patricia, I think all young drivers under the age of 21 should be driving 100cc 1000cc engines or less. There are young drivers out on the roads that have absolutely no control over the big cars they are driving. It is quite scary to see some young drivers with uh, big cars. And hi Patricia on a completely different topic. Just want to let your listeners know what a brilliant service Passport Express is with Unpost. Myself and my husband went to the post office on Thursday, 29th of August, to renew our passports and they arrived this morning in the post. What's today's date? 4th, 5th of September. Super fast. Great service. Credit where credit is due. Thank you for that. 1850 333103. Lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Mallow Art Club. They're resuming their demonstrations tonight at half past seven in the Mercy Centre. Kean O'Sullivan will do a portrait in acrylic. All are welcome. Kildare Community Lotto next draw. Jackpot 2,700 euro. That goes ahead in Ollie's Bar tonight. Remember, every ticket you buy helps to build a community's future. Mallow Social Services Meals on Wheels. They've got a flag day in Mallow tomorrow. While Cushley Avenue, they're holding their enrolment tonight, tomorrow night from 7 to 8.30. That's in the Nanonagel Centre in uh, Kilavollum. And Dr Tom Kelly, who is retired from UCC, will deliver an illustrated talk on native birds in Ireland and bird migration. That's on this Saturday at 11 in the Nanonagel birthplace, Ballygriffin in Kilavollum. Tenants is €10 Euro and bookings can be made on 022 26411 And the Captain Francis O'Neill Memorial Walk will be held next Sunday. It starts at half past uh, two um, from Trailerbourne Bridge. Traditional music, song and dance begins at 1.30. The C103 Street Fleet, coming your way soon. This Friday, C103's Cork Today Show and the Street Fleet are live from Fields Cafe Skibbereen for a taste of West Cork Food Festival. The festival celebrates all that's unique about West Cork and runs until September 15th with food markets and cooking demonstrations, talks and exhibitions and much more. There's something for the whole family. So join us this Friday, live from Skibbereen at 10am for a taste of West Cork, only on C103. C103 and the Cork Volunteer Centre are presenting the very first ever Cork Volunteer Awards. They're going to take place on Friday, October the 11th at the Kingsley Hotel. Now, the closing date for nominations is next Tuesday, the 10th of September. So it is fast approaching. Julie Connolly of the Cork Volunteer Centre joins me just with a final push for uh, nominees. Good afternoon to you, Julie. Good afternoon, Patricia. Yeah, How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. You're welcome. Just remind listeners what the aim of these awards are. The aim of the awards, and I suppose the tagline is, shine a light on your volunteers. 
volunteers give their time, their energy and their experience to thousands of community and volunteer groups and charitable organisations across Cork City and County and we just want to recognise them and say thank you. So that's what the awards are about. It's that bit of recognition and acknowledgement for those selfless people who are giving all that time. And it doesn't matter if it's a, it can be a sporting organisation, it can be your local Meals on Wheels group, it can be an animal welfare group, anyone that's doing any kind of giving up of their own self, of their own time. Absolutely, yeah. And the broader um, and the more variety that we get in terms of nominations, the better. We have a category, for example, for board members, and people don't often think about those people who are sitting on the organising committees of the local St. Patrick's Day Festival, for example, or, you know, for the Multicultural Day or for Culture Night or any of those kind of activities. Um, I suppose in particular, we're looking for organisations uh, to think about their younger volunteers as well, mm-hmm. um, so those who are under 18, um, because a lot of them, if they volunteer when they're young, they'll continue to give to their community throughout their life so it's about acknowledging that it's everything and anything I suppose people really don't think about as I said the people in citizens information giving information the receptionist in your community centre could be a volunteer the person who's giving their time coaching the karate club you know it's mm. everything yeah. and anything yeah. that you can think absolutely. of absolutely and actually only in the last hour we were putting a, giving a shout out for volunteers that are wanted for the Children in Hospital uh, Ireland group, the volunteers that go in and play with children, which is a wonderful, wonderful uh, thing to do. And we have this country, the backbone of this country, I'm always saying it, are, are the volunteers. They're just, they're incredible, the amount of work that volunteers uh, put in. How many different awards will we have on the night, Julie? Well, we have 10 categories uh, to nominate in for the night and then there'll be one overall Cork Volunteer of the Year announced on the night out of those 10 categories. So they are geographically based. So we're looking for nominations in the county. So North Cork, East Cork and West Cork. We're looking for nominations in the North City and the South City. We are looking for that under 18s volunteer, a student volunteer, a group award because, you know, you have the Tidy Towns groups, for example. Um, you have groups, as I said, organising committees. Um, you have um, you have different groups that are involved in different kind of activities and it's a team effort. So that's an option. We have the Lifetime Achievement Award and we have the Board Member Award. Okay, and the closing date, as I mentioned, is the the 10th of September. What happens on the actual night? On the night, the winner will uh, be there to attend a three-course meal and they'll be invited to bring five guests with them on the night. Absolutely complimentary and the people in the Kingsley Hotel have been fantastic to us. Um, we will have the award ceremony or presentation itself, which you will be participating in, Patricia. Thank Looking you so much. Looking forward to it. And then we will have um, a DJ or for the night as well from C103. That's so our, own, a, our own Simon Murdoch from The Breakfast Show. We're, we're bringing him out yeah. at night. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be a great night. Um, so it's just, as I said, it's just to, to bring them out for the night, to acknowledge them, to thank them and, uh, well and give them a night out, you know. Okay. And how can people nominate? So if you are involved in any kind of community or voluntary group, sporting association, you know anyone that's involved, you can go onto our website to www.volunteercork.com 
www.ie and it's a simple online nomination form. Okay, get working on it folks because that deadline is fast approaching. It's one of those things people have, are going to do and you put it on the long finger and then you forget about it and the closing date uh, will be gone. All right. And I'm afraid our system will crash if everybody needs I know, at the last minute. minute. Alright, listen Julie, good luck with it and look forward to seeing you on the 11th of October in the Kingsley. But thanks for joining us in the programme this morning. Thanks Patricia. Can I just say as well like, I just wanted to thank C103 and all our other sponsors who've been involved in the awards. Um, we've had another sponsor come online today, uh, Kramer's Court Nursing Home. They're going to sponsor the West Cork Award. We've got AIB and Otter Cares and uh, yourselves and Cork Independent. This could not happen without the sponsorship from the various companies. So I would really like to say thank you to them for getting involved and for supporting us on the night as okay. well. Okay, no problem. Thank you so much. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. That Bye. is, good afternoon to you. That is Judy Connolly of the Cork Volunteer uh, Centre. So volunteer, visit volunteercork.ie if there's somebody you want to shine a light on and just say a thank you uh, to somebody that you work with or somebody that you know is a, a volunteer who gives above and beyond. Some of your texts coming in. Hi Patricia, this is on driving. I know a lady that has done her driving test 12 times and she's actually sat the test. She's not one of the ones who's just applying for the test and not going along. She's trying, bless her little heart. But she's failed every time. Twelve times she's failed. She's driving for years. She puts up her L plates when she's doing her test and guess what? She takes them back down again. After every fail, the driving test should be made a bit easier says this uh, texture. Mary says, oh, this is, Ma- uh, there's no name on, the, on that one. Thank you for that. And Mary then says, older drivers are very slow to react. So Mary agreeing with Poppet, who says, who was saying, remember earlier, that it isn't younger drivers, it's older drivers. And Poppet went as far as to say, everybody over 60 should be made to, when you hit the age of 60, she should be made to reset your test. And she reckons a lot of people would actually fail. Hi, Patricia. This is Noreen. I drive from the Balancholic roundabout every day to Douglas. I often wonder why there aren't more people killed on our roads every single day. Now, it's not so much your learner drivers, but dangerous drivers of all ages. Texting, calling, scrolling on social media while driving at 120 kilometres or faster. Lane hopping is another thing that goes on all of the time, says Noreen, who has no understanding why more people are not being killed. 1850 Thank you for your calls. Uh, keep them coming in, please. In particular, though, let's change attention. Uh, we'll look over your pet questions because Jane Pickett our resident vet joins me in studio. If you've got a pet question, get it in now. 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Flora Gaelga RC103 Bugga Gabriel Einstein Aaron Kaharu Lodeg Demina Marta Ogdeg Shock Donay Eolse Germán the clue caller Einstein mar physicure go horaha nobarinish er an kokomod e kokomle mc kernaha dos albert anis in winnet augustrasus er alkazur hug aher albert composto norvishe kuglin dish agus ba e an composto sprag einstein and stod er yena ver magnetis and downlux and spos huig einstein an douche noble dun physic sibling nade fehehein Darera Dalvin, the Ansim a Galbert secure. Agis Morak Gurevshe in a physicure, Cradlines Gummi Gumokshe in a Kyotor. 
Poel Bradines and Boss Aaron Shakti Lodeg, the Mirron Nede Quake Le Blur Grill. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins me in studio. Good afternoon to you. Hi there. And you are very welcome. Let's get straight in with rather an unusual question that's come in from uh, Greta, who was talking with a gentleman who has, she believes, a pet fox. It's, it's a vixen who's just had cubs living in his house. Is it possible? Would the vet know? Would a fox live in a person's house? Or I don't know whether her leg has been pulled on this one. You can form a bond, but this is a wild animal. You can, but yeah, you're you're right in saying in the end of the day, it is a wild animal. Standard foxes are not domesticated nor particularly suitable to live in, let's say, a home environment. It's not like, let's say, a cat or a dog. Um, now, as you say, we can sometimes form bonds with wild animals. But not normally, let's say, an adult wild animal. Um, it's normally, let's say, something, uh, a young, hand-raised. young hand-raised yeah. animal. Sometimes they will form unusual bonds with humans. Now, and I say it is unusual because they're not designed to get on well with the humans in their lives. They're pre-programmed to be wild animals and to be essentially fearful of humans for their own protection. Um, and I think it's a little bit difficult. This little fox may have just wandered into the wrong area, found a nice house and thought, I'll just have my cubs here. Um, it could even be in a shed or an outhouse. That would be a common thing. Sometimes sometimes we get farmers that would say, oh, you know, there's a vixen and her cubs in, in an outside farm, farm building. But that essentially, I suppose, has very little contact with humans. That's still reasonably safe-ish okay. for the, the vixen and the cubs. Um, the difficulty is if this if this wild animal has well and truly set up shop inside in this person's house, it's quite a difficult thing, really, because particularly wild animals with young, they are so protective of their young. So handling them can be incredibly dangerous. She um, could turn. Yeah. And I think it's like any mother with a child. Your priority is to protect your child um, and she will know no different. So handling them or the cubs is incredibly challenging. I think really long term, the best thing would be if this is if, if this fox and these cubs are in your house or the person you've been speaking to I'd probably recommend speaking to either a wildlife charity or maybe the ISPCA just for some advice as to what the best course of action is um 
sometimes there are let's say rehabilitation centers where they may be able to help you relocate them into a more appropriate environment that's both safe for you and safe for them because you don't want all of the cubs being too accustomed to humans and then let's say going out into a wild environment again and not being particularly aware that humans are perhaps a risk as it were yeah so i think just maintaining their their wild instincts is probably the priority so i'd, I'd get some advice okay and noreen in ballyfehan has uh, kittens they're about a month old she's wondering what food type she should give them she has five kittens they're still uh, nursing with the mother but she feels the mother is exhausted yeah. and with five kittens the mother will be exhausted yeah, that's lots of kittens um, I'm not surprised yeah. <laughs> the poor mother must be a little bit tired at this point um, what I would say is there are lots of things you can do to give them a helping hand so normally most mothers will kind of wean the kittens roughly between about anywhere between five to seven weeks of age you're coming sometimes up to a little stage. bit longer so you're kind of getting to the point where they will be weaning themselves off. I think the important thing is to give them some options that are not the mother's milk to even just play around with. So what I normally say is there's lots of, let's say, weaning wet foods. So let's say um, they're specifically designed for that period where they're still on the mother getting the milk, but now beginning to transition onto a normal diet, as it were, um, or even just some kitten nuts. Having something for them to roll around and play with. Initially, they won't eat any of it. They'll just roll around and, you know, think it's great fun kicking everything about and creating a massive mess. But eventually they'll clock, actually, this is food and I'll try to eat it. And eventually they'll kind of begin to wean themselves. So mum will begin to get a little bit more reluctant to let them feed all of the time, might restrict their feeding time so that they're maybe forced to play with the food around them. So Mother Nature is very good at, at you mm. know, letting nature take its course and helping them to wean. But what I would say, if, if they're particularly struggling, if mum is particularly struggling or the kittens are particularly struggling, um, you can get formula milk, essentially, to give them a helping hand. So it, it's essentially like baby milk powder. Yeah. Um, and so it's designed if, if the mother was killed and you exactly, end up with... Exactly, if there was the, problems. Yeah, yeah. Normally, at this point of five, six weeks of age, it shouldn't necessarily be required. Yeah. They'd be kind of at the point where they're be- beginning to wean themselves anyway. So I wouldn't be rushing into it. Um, um, but it is always there as an alternative. But I think just make sure you have lots of, let's say, kitten food options available for them to play with. OK, somebody's saying you can form a bond with uh, with uh, a fox and they're like dog nuts if you are <laughs> if you are going to do it. OK, uh, a listener was on to say her two-year-old Labrador this morning uh, managed to open up and eat a very large box of, choc- box of chocolates. Now, he started vomiting within 10 minutes of finishing the box of chocolates mm-hmm. and he's now lying feeling very very sorry for himself uh, but he has stopped vomiting and obviously brought up most of the chocolates mm-hmm. do I need to be concerned? You know I think as a precautionary measure I think it's 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 really a stroke of luck that your dog started vomiting immediately after eating the chocolate because that will decontaminate the stomach and normally if, if you go to the vet we'll assess them depending on what they've eaten whether it's chocolate or some other let's say potentially toxic thing they may have ingested depending on what it is we'll sometimes make them vomit with a special injection okay so your little dog has vomited anyway so that's good news um, but what I would say is I would visit your vet mainly to check that it hasn't let's say if, if it's only happened very recently we may it's this morning it's this morning so mm. we're kind of lunchtime now I would still contact your vet anyway just for a little bit of advice um, tell them exactly how many grams of let's say white dark milk chocolate your dog has eaten and your dog's weight and we'd be able to calculate whether it's likely to be a major risk or not if your dog's already vomited that's good because it will you know bring up some of the, the potential would toxins would they get sick that quick? 
they don't normally. Yeah. So um, it, that's why I say it's quite lucky. Actually, yeah. that's 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 good well, news. I'm wondering in this case. because it was a box of chocolates. Was it was it packaging and paper and everything? If yeah, this is yeah. the thing. If we've eaten everything lock, stock, and barrel, it which can be they a can bit do, more of a problem. So if there's lots of wrappers, particularly let's say the metallic kind of foil wrappers, sometimes they can compound into things that will get stuck in the stomach. Um, I would contact your vet for some advice. Tell them exactly what your pet has eaten and how long ago. Um. They may want to see your pet just to ensure that everything is okay. I would advise a health check at the at a minimum, really. Lots of times, let's say eating chocolate, if it has sunk into the system, it can cause very high heart rates, a lot of excessive thirst, and sometimes very, very bad drowsiness um, when it gets to the latter stages. So I think as a precautionary measure, Get contact checked. your vet. Okay, hi. Uh, question for the vet, Jane, please. My dogs literally beg for milk. Uh, it happens every evening. They, he or they, I don't know, they, they just love it. Uh, can it cause worms? Or is it okay to continue with a bowl of milk for dogs every evening? It wouldn't necessarily. Yeah, it wouldn't necessarily cause worms as such. No. Okay. Um, So normally, let's say milk that you'd buy in the shop will be pasteurized, so it generally wouldn't have any, let's say, parasites in it. Anyways, it wouldn't generally be something that would be transmitted in milk, as it were. Um, That wouldn't be the case. So I don't think there'd be any risk of it, let's say, causing worms, as it were, uh, from milk itself. But what I would say is it's fierce rich to be feeding dogs on a regular basis it's very fatty um, and it can tend to cause let's say stomach upsets so diarrhea vomiting sometimes even things like pancreatitis if it's very fatty milk so if it's full fat milk if they were getting it and had a bit of a dodgy tummy anyway um, it can cause some quite severe problems it wouldn't be what I would advise every day okay. I would as try a treat as a tr- oh jeepers no as a treat once on a blue moon it's not going to do any major amount of harm not every in a evening. normal otherwise healthy dog but I would really discourage from doing it every day as well as everything else it's really high in calories if they I were I was just going to say and we know yeah. we've, we've discussed dogs putting on weight and sure they don't eat that much but then if they're having the big bowl of milk yeah. every night that could be Oh it's the equivalent of a few big chocolate bars for them yeah. let's put it like that in human terms as it were okay, so, so I would try and find something lower calorie but yeah. also more dog appropriate as okay. it were okay. <laughs> Stop giving them the milk basically yeah. <laughs> uh, Valerie in Rochetown has a Labrador that she says appears to be trying to lick his ears. She's checked there are no fleas. He's moving his head as if he's trying to lick his ears. I'm trying to imagine the Labrador doing it. Uh, It seems to be agitating him. It's a seven-year-old neutered male. Okie dokie. Something it's, going on in the ears. Yeah, something going on in the ears there. I'd say it's unusual enough that they'll try and lick their ears. But look, dogs and cats, they can do all kinds of funny things. It does sound like this poor little fella is irritated by his ears. Though if he's shaking his head around, trying to get at the ears one way or another, it does sound like he will something have some kind of nuts. ear problem. Yeah. Now, there's lots of things that can cause irritation in the ears. Sometimes it can be a buildup of wax. But more commonly, it's an ear infection with either bacteria or some yeast overgrowing on the skin sometimes even things like ear mites so a little parasite that can live down there I think either way for your own dog's comfort I'd go to the vet kind of yeah. and just because you're not seeing fleas it can be a lot of other things oh it can be a load of other things it really can and a lot of the time to be totally honest even if you look at the outside of the ear it may not look red and sore but you need a special tool called an otoscope which we'd use in in our veterinary surgery to look down into the depths of the ear because it sounds Um, like if he's shaking his head it's something inside 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 exactly sometimes we can even get 
nothing stuck. It's incredible what they can get up to if they're running through, let's say, fields of, you know, barley or wheat or anything like that. Yeah. Sometimes um, little seed Things heads can, can fall stuck. down to the ears around this time of the year. It's very common. But um, I would say visit your vet. There's a number of things that could be going on. But I would say for your dog's comfort, get some yeah, treatment on board. That's not normal. No, All right, no. listen, Jane, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and uh, we'll chat again next week. That's uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today with the reminder that this time tomorrow we'll be broadcasting the show live from Fields Super Value in Skibbereen. We're going along for to celebrate a Taste of West Cork Food Festival and the Taste of West Cork Food Festival, it kicks off tomorrow and then it runs over the next 10 days and it is a jam-packed festival. While it's called A Taste of West Cork, it's a lot more than food. It's about everything that's wonderful and fantastic that West Cork has to offer and there won't be a part of West Cork that you're in over the next 10 days that you won't in some way come in contact with a taste of uh, West Cork uh, Festival because while there's over 230 odd different events there in 50 different locations both in West Cork and on the islands so we're there to celebrate everything that will be great about a test of West Cork Food Festival tomorrow and we are looking forward to your company and that's where I leave you for today though thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we'll talk to you from Skibbereen tomorrow morning at 10 on to the 9 Patricia Messenger a very good afternoon Nick Richards weekday afternoons from 1 C103 I'm in Cove today for the People's Regatta. Sean, you are at Keith's Cone, is that right? I am, yeah. What's the most unusual ice cream anyone's ever asked you for? I had a woman come up to me before and she asked for a cone with sprinkles on it. So I threw the old ice cream on, you know, and I was about to put the sprinkles on. And she was like, no, I didn't want the ice cream. She just wanted a cone with sprinkles inside it. I didn't charge her, but uh, the boss is a bit mean. So he, he wanted me to charge her, you know, but I couldn't charge. She was a mother. <laughs> Monday to Friday from 1pm. C103.